Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone subscribing, following, of course, watching on our 94 WIP YouTube page. Sucker Bagley will join me in a little bit to give his take on on really one a story that keeps building here with the Phillies is we're less than a week till the trade deadline. Trades are starting to happen now. The Angels saying they're keeping Otani. They trade for Giolito. A couple of relievers got moved. Uh, Med Rosario went to the Dodgers. So things are starting to happen now in the trade market. And the Phillies have, you know, about five or six days to figure this thing out, what they're going to do, who they're going to get, and, and where they're going to try to upgrade this team. But no matter what they do, none of this matters if Trey Turner doesn't start to be a better player and turn things around. And Rob Thompson, finally, I think heeded the advice of anyone that was thinking clearly here, and that was to sit Trey Turner down for a day. Give this guy a day to clear his head, double day off with the day off for the Phillies on Thursday, and then we'll see what happens on Friday. I mean, he's going to be in the lineup. The Phillies aren't going to just permanently bench their $300 million shortstop. But, you know, Rob Thompson didn't leave the door open yesterday to the idea that maybe Trey Turner wouldn't hit second in the order when the Phillies got back to play, and he's back in the lineup against the Pirates on Friday. And after watching the Phillies last night beat the Baltimore Orioles without Trey Turner, and they won the series, which is a good series win for the Phillies against a team that has the best record in the AL, and it was done without Trey Turner. It was done with Nick Castellanos hitting second. It was done with Edmundo Sosa playing a better shortstop defensively than Trey Turner and hitting a home run without Trey Turner in the lineup. It it was kind of an eye-opening moment. Sometimes you really can't get the full picture of what is going on with a player or a team until you subtract them. Like you change the variables up and you move Trey Turner out of the lineup. You put someone else in. And I know it's one game and it's a super small sample. And any one baseball player in any one game could look better than another one. That's not really true. I'm not trying to say Edmundo Sosa is a better overall player and will be for the next X amount of days and years than Trey Turner. But he did provide more last night and the Phillies were better last night without Trey Turner. And, and, and I'm at this point now. Trey needed a day off. The Phillies gave it to him. And now when he comes back in the lineup, the Phillies should move Trey Turner down. And when I say that, I don't mean to the cleanup spot the way they did last time for a few days to get him going about a week in early June. He had one game in the five spot, and then he spent about a week in the four spot, and then they moved him back up to two. Now, I think Trey Turner needs to be dropped to the, towards the bottom of the Phillies order. And we could have a conversation on what that means here and, and kind of throw out a couple different potential batting orders they could throw out tomorrow night in Pittsburgh – but I, we're at the point now, you know, Trey Turner's gotten to dictate a lot of this throughout the season. 
you know, he's never really batted below five in his major league career. You go back, it's, it's very minimal games. He's batted below one, two, three in his big league career. And the other thing he's dictated a little bit this year is days off. I remember in early May, he was struggling. Of course he was. He's always struggling this year. Rob Thompson said, hey, you need a day? And he said, no. And then earlier this week, Rob Thompson said, you need a day? And he said, no. And both times Rob Thompson has said, okay, I'll listen to the player. And it's a tricky spot for Thompson because he's trying to keep this guy engaged, trying to keep this guy all in, trying to make sure they're on the same page. It's first year managing him and, and Trey, Trey Turner likely got outlast Rob Thompson here. So he's got to you know kind of manage the player and manage a star player here. But it seemed like Rob's done with this now, you know, saying I took the decision out of his hands whether he's going to play on on Wednesday or not. And that should be the same thing now. I mean, he doesn't get to decide where he hits in the order. He's hitting like a bottom of the order player. He has, as, as I look at it right now, I believe after the Sosa home run last night, as I look through the Phillies lineup, I believe, you know, the, the worst OPS, and I'm going to exclude Garrett Stubbs because he's a backup catcher, plays once a week. The worst OPS on the team belongs to Trey Turner. Yeah, I mean, you give me Rojas. He's been here for 10 seconds. But, you know, you talk about Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, Bohm, Stott, Real Muto, Marsh, Sosa. They're all higher. I mean, guys, they're all higher than Trey Turner. He's been the worst hitter. So he doesn't get to dictate where he hits. And I think we're at the point now where the Phillies have better options for a little while here. I, I would put Trey back in the lineup on Friday, and I would hit him towards the bottom of the order. So, so I have a couple of machinations of this. And you know, it depends on how married the Phillies are to avoiding left, 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 and, and a bunch of left-handers in a row, because it, it does become a problem late in, late in games. Um, and it depends on how they want to spread the lineup out. But I, I've got two potential options for the top, and then two spots they could possibly put Trey Turner in when he enters the lineup. So let's start with the first one. I think it's one people will be excited about because people have wanted this guy at or near the top for months now. So the first one involves Bryson Stott becoming the two-hitter, Trey Turner dropping down. So it'd be Schwarber, Stott, Harper, left, left, left. Castellanos, Bohm, Real Muto, Marsh, Turner, Rojas for Cave, who is playing left field. So in this lineup, you have three lefties to start it off. You have Turner, eight. I mean, they could also put him six. And you put Real Muto eight, but then you're kind of demoting two guys at once because Real Muto's kind of hung out in that that five six range, and and maybe that double he had last night is a start or something for JT Real Muto. He hasn't really hit either. He's had a, a disappointing season, and we're probably starting to see the decline phase of, of JT Real Muto. But so six or eight in this particular lineup, I had him at eight. Now I like the idea of Stott, but there's also a lot of moving parts in this. You're you're moving Stott up, so you're taking him out of a, a comfort zone he's been in. In that 5-6 range, you're dropping Turner way down. Maybe you're dropping Real Muto way down. So there's a lot of different changes here with this lineup. I like it, don't love it. Here's the one I like better. Um, it's not exactly what we saw last night with Castellanos, but I think it spreads things out a little bit better. It has less moving parts. And I think the two-hitter in this lineup is just better equipped to be a two-hitter right now than Trey Turner. So I actually like the idea of Alec Bohm moving up to the two-spot. Schwarber, Bohm, Harper – one, two, three. Castellanos, four, back where he's been you know, most of the season. Leaf side of five. He's comfortable there, and he's he's had a great job at RBI spots. Real Muto, six. Marsh, seven. Turner, eight. And then whoever's playing left field, obviously Jake Cave or Rojas, or you know, if they have a big acquisition in left field next week, we could rethink this whole thing. But left field would then become the nine hitter. So Schwarber, Bohm, Harper, Castellanos, Stott, Real Muto, Marsh, Turner, left fielder. I, I, I think we're at the point now where Trey Turner – 
is an eight-place hitter. That's what he's hit like this entire season. And, and I'll go one further, and we'll bring Tucker on in a minute to give his thoughts on Trey Turner. After watching Sosa last night, both defensively and offensively, and I know this is very tricky because this is an 11-year, $300 million contract, but I'm at the point now where if Trey Turner – so the first move is I'm dropping him in the order. But let's see if less pressure, bottom of the order, gets him going. But let's try that for a week or two. If in a week or two he's still not hitting, and it's still the same thing it's been all year, I'm not going to hesitate once a week to put Sosa out there and sit Trey Turner down. I'm not saying bench the guy forever. I'm not saying his career is over in Philadelphia. But these games matter. Like The Phillies are trying to, to capture a playoff spot. Every game matters. I, I think we've seen enough now in this NL wildcard race that none of these teams are going to run away. So, And I don't think any of them are going to totally fall off. I mean, the Giants and Marlins and Reds have all had significant losing streaks over the past – week and a half to two weeks, and nothing's happened. Like, they're all still bunched up. So it tells me no one's going to just disappear. The five teams that are in it, they're all going to stay in it. Maybe, and it's becoming less likely by the day, a Mets or a Padres jumps back in the race, or the Cubs, but probably not. So these five teams that are fighting for three spots, nobody's going to run away and hide, and no one's going to play so bad while the others play so well that they fall off. So we're likely heading towards tiebreakers deciding a playoff spot or one or two games between these five teams all the way through the end of September. So I can't just give away games because Trey Turner signed a big contract in November. They got to win. So if he doesn't start hitting, I would look once a week, just sit him down, get Edmundo Sosa out there, and maybe like last night, it gives you a spark. So first thing I'm doing is I'm dropping him all the way to eight in the lineup, and, and I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of, hey, you don't hit once a week. Maybe it gets a tough Friday that we know is going to give you trouble. You sit down. Tucker, what are you thinking here on Trey, and, and how far in the lineup should they drop him? Because I, I know it was only one game. They were better when he wasn't in the lineup and certainly not hitting second last night. Yeah, and you know, mentioned they scored six runs, and Mundo Sosa and, and Jake Cave are two guys who really sparked the offense. I mean, you kind of look at this team, and I know Rob Thompson said earlier this week that he doesn't want to shake up the lineup. He wants to keep the guys at the top at the top. I don't know if that's really necessary. Like, I, I think back, Jared watched Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Like, I think season two, they're, you know, stuck in a rut. And one day in practice, they just, like, swap offense and defense. All the offensive players play defense and vice versa. Rob Thompson should do that for a game. Like, put all the guys at the bottom at the top. Put all the guys at the top at the bottom. I mean, I think there was a point last night where the top of the lineup was, like, one for nine. And the bottom three guys were, were five for ten or, or something along those lines. I mean, the bottom of the lineup carried you last night against the best team in baseball. And they really have been. You go back to the walk-off night uh, the night before, that was keyed by Bryson Stott and, and Alec Bohm, two guys who really ha have struggled to, to crack the, the top five uh, of this lineup. I think those two, plus Brandon Marsh, who still leads the team in OPS. Um, I, I just, Trey Turner hasn't been great, but the rest of the top of the lineup right now hasn't really hit that well either. So I, I don't know how far he can drop down Trey Turner. I, I think eight feels about right maybe nine if it wasn't for the contract i don't think he'd even be on the field right now like i think him sitting on the bench next to rob thompson is kind of where he belongs at the moment but if you have to put him in there yeah he belongs at the bottom of the lineup until he proves otherwise and i kind of like castianos in the two hole if he's hitting i, I just think you need a strong right-handed bat if schwarber and harper are gonna be one and three and we saw it last year like that two hole in the lineup becomes really key because you're going to face a lot of left-handed pitching when it comes to the postseason. And J.T. Romuto 
had a couple really good at bats yesterday. He hit the ball really hard. So maybe he's starting to come out of his shell and, and can be that guy. But I think if Turner isn't going to step up, you're going to need a right-handed bat at the top of the lineup. Maybe that comes in the trade deadline. Maybe that comes in, you know, the next five days or so, because right now what we've seen from this offense, this hasn't been good enough. Like they've had enough issues otherwise that I don't think we're talking about it a ton, but I mean, their offense has been putrid for, for most of the season. It's been nothing like what we expected it would be. Well, and you're right about the lefty thing. Like it's the Phillies do get to the playoffs Teams are going to throw lefties at them, whether it be the Braves or Max Freed, the Dodgers with Kershaw, Urias, the Reds with Abbott. I mean, you go through it. Every team's Lozardo with Miami. Whoever they match up against is going to say, hey, Harper and Stott and, and Schwarber, let's throw a le- let's line up a lefty to face these guys because the righties, I mean, obviously Castellanos had a nice season, although he's, you know, he's falling back a little bit this second half, but they're going to say, like, Trey Turner has taken advantage of it. Let's just throw lefties at him. So it, it's a big deal there. It's funny, as Tucker mentioned, the, the flipping of the lineup thing, it, it reminded me of Jim Fergosi, of course, the former Phillies manager, and then he um, you know, went on to manage the Blue Jays for a little bit before his manager ended. I, I remember a story, this has got to be those late 90s Blue Jays when, when Fergosi was there, and they were struggling, and he literally picked the lineup out of a hat. Like he threw the nine names into a hat one day, and he just picked them out. And that was, you know, they, I think it kind of loosened the team up. And I, I, who knows if he'd been working on it? It was a million years ago. But like we're at the point now where what's the difference? I mean, these the bottom of the order's done better than the top. Schwarber struggled for most of the season, except his power has been there. And and now the Turner thing. But Trey Turner has not earned enough cachet here in Philadelphia in a Phillies uniform that his preferences matter to me. Like Kyle Schwarber, number one, helped us team make the World Series last year. Number two, is proven to be a better leadoff hitter than other places. Bryce Harper won an MVP here, had an incredible postseason here last year. He's become a Philly. Right? Those guys, a little bit more cachet on what they're comfortable with, whether it's one, whether it's three, whether it's four, whatever. Trey Turner doesn't have that. So Trey Turner can feel whatever he feels about days off and not wanting to have them. And I'm sure he's, he's probably embarrassed deep down because he's not living up to – I mean, forget his contract. He's not living up to being, you know, even a really good player right now. He's, he's just not. So as the Phillies reintegrate him back into the lineup in Pittsburgh on Friday night, they should not be beholden to the number two spot. And and really, I think it's not so much – like last time Topper did this, it was like, well, we'll just drop it down to four. We'll get him going there and move him right back up. No, I think it needs to be more drastic. Drop him down eight. It may, six might be more palatable, but, again, that drops Rio Muto as well. Drop him to eight. I mean, what's the worst that happens? He, he's embarrassed about it. He gets frustrated. Go hit, man. If you hit, and by the way, the, the story that came out, Kevin Long quoted uh, in the Athletic, and one of the quotes about um, Turner and, and trying to get him to be comfortable here was absolutely remarkable and drove me crazy. So the quote was, "We're all working really hard to get him more comfortable, but it's Philly, and it takes time to adjust to the way it is here. Such a cop out. Such an excuse." This has nothing to do with it being at Citizens Bank Park. I think until the last week, Trey Turner barely heard a boo. Trey Turner has been supported. Most fans have just been overwhelmingly in the camp of he's going to turn this around. So I I just that's such nonsense. And it tells me the excuse making has started for a player that was supposed to be better than all this. So I'm beyond the point of kid gloves here for Trey Turner. Go hit in the eight. Go hit in the eight spot. Get hot there. And then the Phillies could consider moving him up. They have to make him less important before he torpedoes this season more than he already has. Appreciate everyone subscribing, following, of course, watching here on the 94 WIP YouTube page. The Phillies get a big series win 
over the Baltimore Orioles. And now a trip to Pittsburgh before the MLB trade deadline next week. And Dave Dabrowski has got his work cut out for him because, as Tucker said, this offense has not been good enough. They need help. It was sure help if the $300 million shortstop actually hit like one. But until that happens, this team needs a bat. We'll see what Dombrowski does. And I can't wait to see where Rob Thompson puts Trey Turner in the lineup. I would drop him all the way to eight starting in Pittsburgh on Friday night. Thanks so much for watching for watching and listening WIP Daily. And we'll talk tomorrow right here on the 94 WIP YouTube page.